Mike and Diana gather playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Mike and Diana gather playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Hi everybody and welcome to the RHAP BNB for episode 4 of Survivor Edge of Extinction. My name is Mike Blue and we thought we'd switch things up this week, but lo and behold we are back here in a very similar configuration to talk about the fourth episode of Edge of Extinction. Super interesting episode. Uh, let me bring in our panel for this week. First, my co-host, Liana Boris. Liana, how are you? I'm great. I've let the chickens loose, so I am good to talk about this episode. Oh, no. Is that what I have here clucking around while I'm trying to talk? <laughs> oh, so that's just the chickens. And just ignore them. It's fine. That's a better chicken impression than what, like, Joe and Eric were doing a couple episodes ago. So I think you've got them beat in that regard. Well, I loved the confessional with Eric <sighs> where the chickens are just, like, click clacking in the background. Yeah, just because it feels so that might happen. It feels like the eternal tormentors of the Manu camp now, because these chickens are yes. homebodies. They're just going to remain around camp, and they're just going to be haunting them forever with the clucks of a of a catch that they'll never be able to make. But speaking of which, I know this guy has been a uh, cooped up for the past couple of weeks recapping Big Brother Canada Seven, so we thought we'd let him out to stretch his legs a little bit on the island and in the B and B proper. The host of everything Big Brother here on RHAP, Taryn Armstrong. Welcome back. How you doing? I'm great. I, I actually have a proposition for you guys. I know it's called the Survivor B and B, but I was wondering if you would rather call it the Survivor Bob, where there's uh, <laughs> B and A for Armstrong, B, B A A B. What do you think? You know what? The rebranding maybe could work for us. Uh, the hashtag Survivor Bob, <laughs> as long as it's, uh, you know, sheep themed in some way we're a very animal centric podcast i assumed you now, were so. i mean well i'm i'm already the sheep as we've determined from this uh 100 certified quiz that we took so i am all in on the branding i might as well just steer into the sheep curve here there you go <laughs> right and, and i've been vegetarian for about four hours now <laughs> since lunch so i think it's totally fair you really vegetarianism liana just really in fits and starts as not it just seems to go for hours at a time every day I will say the majority of my day is spent being a vegetarian. It just so happens that about two to three hours a day I'm not, but <clears throat> majority of the time I am. Yeah, so true. I think it kind of works out. Technically, you're a vegan then as well. You really cut down. Yes, you're kind of you're like very uh, keto. You cut down on the carbs as well. So, Liana, uh, you might be in the healthiest state you'll ever be in. This, <laughs> That's right. This is a very enlightening perspective. I, I really enjoy this. I am. I, I think I can also commit to being a vegetarian for you know at least seven-eighths of my total amount of time. <laughs> exactly. Not only are you vegetarian and vegan, but you're also, yeah, Whole30, uh, Lacto-Ovo, uh, you know, <laughs> just also, uh, uh, what's the, the people that just survive on air? Uh, <laughs> oh, oh uh, you know what uh, fish? What? <laughs> people that don't eat? <laughs> people that don't eat? No, remember there were the people that, like, oh yeah, we just survive on light or something uh, are they oh, this is the news I have. sorry never mind uh, i don't know i just breathe and i'm alive so yeah i think we're really doing a great job here oh now i'm just looking this up uh <laughs> breathe breatharians Bre oh yeah breatharians <laughs> yes 
Breatharian. See, I knew it was a real thing. Yes, I'm also Breatharian seven eighths. Why are there not more Breatharians competing on Survivor? You have to feel like that's a walk in the park, right? They could like live on Extinction Island past the filming dates. Hmm. Be filmed close up right in their face. Yes. Yeah, because they won't be breathing that much out. There won't be that Mm -hmm. much condensation on the camera. I'm assuming it's the. It's not, I, though, I guess, do you overindulge? You know, is it like because you're cutting back on everything else, you're just taking the biggest, heaviest breaths you can? Imagine like, oh, my gosh, I've been just I'm so full. I've been breathing so hard the past couple hours. Ugh, I'll so say full. this about breatharians. At, at least their method uh, can be proven wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, there's a reason why there are not more Breatharians because they die out <laughs> for very obvious reasons. Yes, it's very true. Sometimes you have to do like you have to break your Lent a bit with your Breatharians when it comes to, uh, you know, being able to actually consume <laughs> nutrients. Well, let's collectively take a breath, get some get some nourishment and move into this episode. Taryn, you have a super unique perspective on this because you have been doing your first one out thing as per usual with this season. So you got some perspective on who these 18 people were before the season. I'd be really interested to hear from you, especially from an editing perspective, given your background. What have you thought about the season so far, especially compared to the way you thought things were going to shake out preseason? I mean, basically how this has shaken out is uh, I've already forgotten who everyone else other than the people that have gone to tribal are like i, I don't know who any of these people are are on my screen you i, I often hear people talk about th- these magical people i think that one's called victoria there are a couple of julie julia's somewhere along the line uh and, and i don't know some weird name involving water or wind or something i i, I genuinely don't know <laughs> wait wait who's the person <laughs> I know that this is a bit, but also at the same time, I'm like, wait, I'm sorry, who? Because I genuinely don't know, which probably speaks to exactly what Taryn is talking about, which is the, you know, uneven editing, which has been talked about, which I get when you have a tribe that is consistently going to tribal council. Of course, you're going to focus on them. Of course, you're going to see about them. But then it leaves. And this episode is a perfect example because of our uneven swap of how you're just not going to have content of people who aren't the, you know, relevant to the story at this moment. Mm. It's so interesting to me because this is really evoking ramifications for me of Survivor Samoa, where granted, that was a very out on its own island type of storytelling where there was one tribe going to tribal council pretty much all the time. And on that one tribe, there was one person who they decided to give all the story times to. So it was really just hyper focusing microscope like in on this one little germ on the slide cell that was foa foa <laughs> at least we've we've widened the scope a bit here but i don't know I, I saw some speculation online as to well you know are we getting a little bit of you know under uh under the radar commonness of it all because the manus are going to be able to work their way back in true kelly wentworth style underdog style at the merge and as a result all these sort of red shirt people in yellow shirts uh, from Kama end up sort of getting taken out just due to the overwhelming story of how the Manus are able to overcome in the end. Yeah, I mean, I guess I have faith in the editors that they are putting together a cohesive narrative of what is happening. So it's a little bit of, I have to just have faith and believe in them that they know what they're doing. And the fact that there are people that haven't had a lot of airtime, I have to believe that, well, it's because, yeah, maybe just like you said, Mike, that it's not their story to tell you know they're just not gonna end up 
being the focus later on, except there are a few people that have stood out to me that have gotten content at random periods of time. And I just can't help like Julie, for example, is someone who I feel like just keeps showing up. I'm like, there's something with Julie, but that could also be the, uh, you know, aluminum hat wearing (laughs) self of mine. That's just conspiracy theory that she has something going on later, but I don't know. Her airtime comes in little drips as if something was just flowing down your leg. Uh, that you recognize was there, but it'll eventually dry up. <laughs> What's dripping down your leg, Mike? Julie, Julie loves to talk about ask. pee, okay? Julie, love, Julie Rosenberg loves to talk about pee. I don't know if you noticed this, but in this episode, she says, when the swap was coming, I turned to Joe and I said, I'm going to pee my pants. And considering the poor marked bush in the middle of Central Park, I think this is the unfortunate connotation that Julie's been given thus far. Oh, my. <laughs> Incontinence is not a joke, Mike. <laughs> How dare you? So offensive. Uh, I apologize. I, I I feel like this is it's almost like uh, a weakness of the Survivor format that doesn't come up very often because it's not very often that you'd get a lot of episodes in a row that only focus on one uh, or on a set of people because they're going to tribal all the time. And I think that one of their ways to solve that is the early tribe swap. But in this particular instance, that didn't solve anything because they just swapped back into the regular tribes. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, you would think that, you know, majority of the time, seven eighths of the time, much like the times that I am Breatharian, we're not going to see this. But it just so happens that because of the way that everything has shaken out is, yeah, of course, you have to focus on these people that have constantly seen tribal because they're the ones that are always going to tribal. And as a result, you have someone like Rick going here, which I mean, if you look at those five people, you would think that uh, and then usually if you look at these people's edits, you would say, OK, let's slot them in for the end. And I'm sure we'll get mm-hmm. into that later on, because, I mean, I was pretty genuinely surprised. You know, I wouldn't go into this episode. I, I do not have the omniscience of Carl Boudreaux and saying, oh, yeah, Rick's definitely gone. So I was definitely surprised to get rid of a big character so early on. I mean, I'm so intrigued about this twist because it wasn't really a twist. And I sort of love that in a weird way, just because. I mean, I know I'm, I'm sort of uh, speaking to you, Taryn, right here when I talk about, you know, how twists can really shake up the game in ways that really do not benefit certain people. And it's unfortunate to watch people sort of get struck down by the fact that, hey, luck didn't go their way. Here, the survivor gods basically said, OK, these are the two tribes and they will continue to be the two tribes. We essentially divided comma in half through Wendy on is the remainder. That's the number that remains. And then the rest of it was pure Manu. And it was you know, there was a, it was a really interesting tribal council where there was a lot of emotion at play, as they're going to talk about. And I was sort of here for it because it reminds me of, you know, the emotional impacts that going through, I wouldn't say the trauma of Survivor, but, you know, clearly the harrowing experiences that Survivor provides, especially going to tribal the first, you know, week and a half in the game. And then to have to turn on each other, you know, this would be a vote that we might have seen a couple of episodes down the line mm-hmm. if Manu sort of maintained its composure. And I I liked how it felt very different. And while it might not have been a shocking outcome or a big blindside or even a huge strategic episode, there were so many emotions at play only in episode four that I thought was extremely unique, especially for this type of wonky season. Yeah, it felt like it was shades of Palau a little bit. And it really did feel to me like this was a final five tribal council more Mm -hmm. so than the fourth one of the season, uh, which is which is strange. And I do think it brought out a a unique element uh, to the show so early on that I did enjoy and that was uh, interesting to me. 
Yeah, I 1000% agree. It's so funny now looking back on the uh, David Rick uh, alliance thing that they made early on where it was like, okay, yeah, we're going to go till final five, but you can cut my throat at final (laughs) four. And it was like, well, this was the final five because that's definitely how it felt because we had just seen the narrative of these people and they were all so close. Oh, no, we have to cut somebody. Um, so that I, yeah, that's totally how it felt to me. Do you think in the future people should qualify their alliances to not say, okay, it's not just a final five, it's going to be the final five, or else the survivor gods will say, well, you didn't define the article, so I guess this is a final five. <laughs> that's the type of thing I imagine coming up in the like iTunes terms and conditions. <laughs> well, you didn't specify the final five contestants in the game, you just said a final five, so technically it's legal. It's a very like m- monkey's paw twist, Taryn, of yeah. like you grab this thing and you're like, oh, I wish for this, uh, but you did not think of all the loopholes, so therefore you're going home now. <laughs> At the same time though, if you tried to run through and, and eliminate all of the loopholes, that would be in your Dodo edit, where everybody's like, this, this person's crazy that's very true yeah. oh my i'm just trying to imagine like that conversation <laughs> happening between two like okay i just want to clarify that i mean blah a b c d oh and if a equals b then we do x y z because you know like no of course yeah. that's way too detailed no one's gonna go with that on the note of survivor history you know what this also reminded me of and, and, and this is a random episode but it's stuck in my head because i know that mario lanza actually says it's one of his personal favorite survivor episodes but in survivor thailand when they did the fake merge and everything, uh, there was this point, I think it was like episode eight or so, where Soup Jai lost a challenge, and it was just the four of them. They had gotten rid of all the outliers and people that they didn't like, and they felt like a true family, to the point where the post-immunity challenge through Tribal Council stuff was honestly all of them just sort of sitting there and moping and just weeping over the fact that they actually have to break this up. And again, it's a weird outlier from what we usually see of Survivor, But if this season has proven anything to me, it's that I'm sort of game for changing up the formula a little bit or exposing some of the elements on the island that might not be especially prevalent when the game moves super fast. I think we're benefiting or not benefiting, but there's definitely now a factor here of when your tribe is winnowed down to such a small number, there's not a lot of play you can do. These are five people who know each other pretty well. As much as we got the war dog in the middle edit where everyone was coming to him, there's not a lot of, you know, big moves you can really show. So it was much more surrounded uh much more surrounded around this idea of these people all really like each other. They're gonna have to get rid of one of themselves and they're pretty pissed off about it. I, I and I love you cannot write this stuff that in the beginning of the episode they say, We have a tight five. As long as Wendy's here, we're good to go. Cut to five minutes later, the five of them are still together and Wendy is not. It's just I mean, that's just brilliant irony yeah there's i think there's something that uh i think there's a lot for in my opinion that has been lost with the final three versus final two but i think one of the elements that is lost is uh often this sense of we did it but wait a minute we still haven't won the game is gonna force us to turn on each other and like really just cannibalize and that's what that's what it feels like and i i love that that thing of like there's a group of people they're all working toward a common goal they succeed and they're like yes wait a minute hold on the game's not over like no wait no we can't can't we just all win that's they they you can share the prize in poker right wait why uh and i like that i don't i feel like we don't often see it you know as for as much as it's fun to watch drama and like really aggressive gameplay where everyone's really gunning for each other there's also something really compelling about like we don't want to do this so what happens when you take a group of people who don't want to and they have to 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I understand the whole like, oh, but Survivor, it's a team sport, right? Uh, but obviously, you know, it's not the case. You have to put these people in this situation. But I will say for me, and and I don't know if this is because it wasn't at the final, the, the okay. It was at a the final five. actual <laughs> final five, the, the final five players that are remaining in the game. And I would like to specify not on Extinction Island. Okay, so like we're actually talking about the real final five. No one can go back in the game just that. Um, was it particularly compelling to me, though? Honestly, not really. Tribal Council was a little bit like, oh, we love each other and it's so sad. I wanted a little bit more cutthroat actions from the people that, you know, that are sort of fighting for War Dog or gonna, you know, send War Dog out of the game because it definitely felt like, hey, I'm David. My brand is loyalty and Lauren is sick. And then Lauren and Kelly can go to War Dog and say, well, Rick is going to flip. And it, it, I don't know, it felt a little lackluster to me. Like, I almost wanted more, but at the same time, they're exhausted, they're tired, they're, lo- you know, they're losing so many um, competitions. Like, I I understand where they're coming from, but I was like, oh, bring out the claws a little bit more. Come on, people. Well, we'll see. I don't know. I do feel like maybe this was like, I wouldn't say this was technically the first blood they drew because they did that all the way back with the Ream, but this is the first time that this, group had to really that really trust each other felt like they had to turn on one another so mm-hmm. maybe that will sort of bring out the cracks as it were I, Taryn, i think you made a really interesting point especially considering that you come from a big brother perspective where it feels like especially as of late there are these larger alliances that are like all right guys we'll work until we get to the final six but there's something inherently illogical about that because when you get to the final six as you guys say the game doesn't end there mm-hmm. there's still more to go and it feels like with a game like Survivor, they tend to shy away from that as much as you go with your Goliath strong, Navidi strong, etc. I don't know, maybe, maybe the the allure of the end might be brighter than maybe in something like Big Brother, which I think inherently has more of a pack or group mentality, especially early on when you say, okay, you know, us six to the end. Or maybe it's because there are such tribalistic structures, literally, uh, and knowing that there are swaps and everything going around, that it, it's more of a dynamic game from a structure than Big Brother. So it, it makes it a little harder to lock in those deals early on. Yeah, and, and I think that something else about how this episode played out is that uh, it's so unexpected to have to turn so early. And I think that's what drew the emotion uh, from, you know, because they for all of their talk about uh, like, oh, we're so close. We don't want to have to turn on each other. Uh, we still got like three David confessionals about like, I want to turn on Kelly. I, I've been wanting to turn on Kelly. Uh, so like a little bit of it, I think, was, you know, not entirely genuine. But I do think that part of it was because it was so unexpected. And I think that like mm-hmm. that shot that lingers on David after uh, a- after it's Rick that leaves is is just it's it's pure just like he he's a returning player he knows what this is like he's lost people before but not in this way and and that's what I found really compelling about it actually that's really interesting because I think it kind of goes back to what I was wanting where I wanted you know the complete claws out go for each other but this is so early you know and there are going to be ramifications to the moves that you make for the remaining episodes, which is, you know, more than half. So you still have to be conscious of the decisions that you're making and how that's going to impact your future game while at the same point wanting to be 
self-preservationist and, you know, make sure that your alliance moves forward. So you're sort of balancing these two things where you can't go balls to the wall and totally go crazy. You still have to preserve your own integrity and and game image because you know that you're going to have to play so much more of the game moving forward. Also, there's there's nobody left that knows that David was ever coming for Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) David's right. They've all been eliminated. David Wright is starting to remind me of like that one high school friend you have where one night you guys like sit on the hood of your car and look up at the stars and you're like, you know what? One day we're going to like, let's move out to California, man. And we'll like start (laughs) screenwriting and we'll write a pilot and we'll, we'll start winning Emmys, man. And like, he, they keep talking up these these fantastical ideas that, for one reason or another, just don't work out. Eventually, by the umpteen time you hear it, you're, you're going to realize that you shouldn't be packing up your car anytime soon <laughs> to head out to the West Coast. And that's how I'm starting to feel about David here. I thought, I thought you were going to say David's that one friend where, you know, like their parting words are, I just want you to know. I've always hated you <laughs> secretly <laughs> deep down. I've always wanted you out. You didn't know, but I just wanted you out so bad. Oh my gosh, can you imagine if they did goodbye messages like they do in Big Brother for Survivor? How amazing would that be? Especially because then the Edge of Extinction twist is like a buyback in Survivor where you give your honest opinion, then oh crap, they're actually coming back to the game. It would have been it would be interesting if they gave them an opportunity to like, I don't know, at Ponderosa watch the uh the unedited voting confessionals from the people. Because I mean that's essentially mm. what they are, right? Those aren't direct messages to the people, but when you vote for someone, you're essentially kind of talking to them, right? You're not like narrating to the audience. So that, that could be an interesting opportunity to sort of uh, get a look at what people actually feel about you, considering some of these scathing voting confessionals that have come out over the years. That's the next uh, part of Extinction Island, actually, is that they just play on loudspeaker the voting confessionals for when they voted you out just nonstop. The person who comes up with the twist has to justify their job. Can I make a brief tweak? I think it should, it should only be the votes against Reem. Just because we <laughs> want to keep riling her up. Uh, so let's put that on I loop. love, love Reem. Um, yeah, okay. So so first of all, I want to say that if they did do those like confessional vote outs, I would love to hear Angelina's uh, to Natalie. Can I? You didn't give me your jacket. I can't believe I don't have your jacket. Well, no, because if it was a voting confessional, it would have been like, all right, I hope you can, hope my master plan works. Oh, that's and you, true. You, you, I can't wait for you to give me my, give me your jacket as I stand there happily. <laughs> oh my God. That would be so funny. I would be very much here for anything that riles up Reem, though. I, I am not at the point where I am sick of hearing Reem at the edge of extinction just be like, damn, read the sign, bro. Like she is just giving me life. Which, to be honest, I would like to talk about the Edge of Extinction for a brief second because I almost feel like I know in the end I'm get, I might be mad at this because I'm going to be like, oh my god, someone came back in the game and they were able to make it far, blah, 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 blah. But I would love if the Edge of Extinction was almost like its own spinoff show where we just get to like see what's happening with these people because there's a reason why these people were cast on TV because they're going to be entertaining characters and we lose some entertaining characters so early like the dynamic between Reem, Keith and Chris was giving me life this episode. Isn't that like with The Bachelor they have um what is it called the the like the losers of The Bachelor all go on a, on a show? Is it I'm pretty sure that's uh, just called Bachelor, like bachelor, bachelor Paradise. Right? Yeah, like Bachelor Pad or Where's Bachelor Haley's Paradise. Strong. Something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess oh, that, I, that's a. Ch- I mean, I guess you would do that if, if it was Bachelor Pad. You'd put them all on another island and you'd have them compete for like their own mini Survivor title because that's essentially what Bachelor Pad is. It's like 
Okay, yeah. you all lost. You're gonna hook up with each other, and we'll see right. who gets together. But this is the opposite. So instead of competing for a prize, they're competing for love on their separate islands. Oh, I can only I can only <laughs> imagine that. I think, but let's make it. Let's cross it over with Love Island. Let's bring the CBS shows all together now. I I I mean, I've been asked a couple times, you know, what I've thought about Extinction Island so far, and it's really tough for me to judge because, in my opinion, to your point, Liana, the other shoe hasn't dropped yet. Right? Mm-hmm. We we don't know. When, how, or in what manner the person that's going to come back, you know, is going to return. And then afterwards, what's going to happen? There's been rumors about like, okay, if you stand on Extinction Island and you lose the challenge, do you remain on Extinction Island? Or do we just wipe the slate clean and then move forward from, you know, the jury onwards? I'm not entirely sure. But for what it is right now, as someone who loves that old school survivor, it's a perfect mixture to me of, you know, they can't really strategize, so they can't talk about strategy. It's just all interpersonal relationships, some survivalism, and a whole lot of people getting angry with each other. When you throw Rick in there next week, uh, it's it's going to be a fantastic combination. So maybe it's because of the people involved as well. I think we got really lucky with the amount, with the people that are going and the fact that they all happen to come from the same tribe and had chemistry and or beef with one another, but I'll admit I'm here for Edge of Extinction so far. You know, the the half of the twist that we've seen so far. Yeah, I think I'd enjoy it if if it ended at the merge and it's like mm-hmm. uh, maybe one comes back at the merge and then it's over uh, because then it is it is a fun way to get more of the characters that you lost early, probably because they were so entertaining, so to speak. <laughs> uh, and and you get like this little mini game within the game where they're trying to uh, figure out a way to come back and also, you know, deal with each other. Uh, I, I'm personally uh, like. I am a little bit annoyed and sick of Reem on the island. Like every I single time, you. like oh yeah, like I I don't know, just like yeah. show some empathy. Like that, like you were sad when you got voted off, and now the first thing they have to hear when they get to the island is like, oh, you have no right, you voted me off. Like yeah, you would have done the same. Like come no, on, Taryn, their the edge of extinction has no empathy; it has Reempathy, which is just <laughs> Reem coming in and saying, wow. Well, aren't you glad you voted me out now? I don't feel an iota of sadness for you. It is so funny. <laughs> I mean, I totally get your point, Taryn, though. You know, it is like, really? Are you serious? Reem and Keith are going to be like, oh, yeah, taste of your own medicine, Chris. Like, how dare you? Which I think I saw a really funny post on Reddit where somebody commented. It was like, man, I'm amazed Keith can't swim considering all the salt. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like so salty about the whole situation. Oh, I'm not upset that you got voted out. Ugh. It's hilarious. It do- I mean, I'm sure it will weigh on us eventually, but for right now, I'm. It, okay. it does make it more like it, I, it would be less interesting if they were just like, "Oh, it's okay. Come, come in for the hug." Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think it would be a shorter segment. <laughs> well, well, then maybe we get confessionals from other yeah. people. You know, like I, I, I agree with the Rob sentiment of like they're going to show us the best stuff, but uh, that's what they deemed as the best stuff. So I'm, I'm here for him. Well, speaking of Edge of Extinction denizens, let's welcome in the newest member of this ragtag bunch. Let's go to our preseason predictions about how we thought the Kool Aid Man himself, Mister Rick Devins, would do in the game. Liana. How did you think Rick was going to do preseason? He seemed to be like a character-based favorite. Did that pretend well to you for a prediction? 
Yeah, absolutely. So when I was making my preseason uh, decisions, I was like, okay, no way pre-jury. Wendy, I had pegged as the pre-jury person. Spoiler alert. I was like, Rick, because he was in the preview for the next season. I was like, he definitely either merge or finale. So I had predicted that Rick was going to make the merge, uh, although not the finale. And I had written that Rick was second in command to David Wright Ooh. in the Looney I know, right? In the Looney Tune Dudes Alliance. <laughs> what? <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. It was a name. Uh, but after David was voted out, Rick was able to float over to Kelbury. This is the Kelly Aubrey thing. Uh, Rick's new bonds with the vets could only keep him around for so long as the women wanted to remain strong. Rick falls prey to the Strong Women's Alliance right before the finale. I either found Rick annoying, but he grew on me. Or I liked him at the start of the season, but I grew tired of him as the season went on. Could have gone either way, but definitely one of those two. Uh, There's so many reasons why I'm excited for these preseason predictions. One of them is to find out at some point what the Looney Tunes Dudes Alliance is. Uh, you'll just have to wait. The Looney Tune Dudes, which is a mouthful in and of itself. Uh, yes, plays an important part in this season. Because I have to imagine, like, okay, one of them's, I don't know, Elmer Fudd. One's Yosemite Sam. Like, that's what I go to when I think Looney Tune dudes. Uh, that's, I don't know, that's my first thought. So maybe maybe you just made a one-for-one comparison. I'm, I'm now wondering mm. about the, uh, the efficacy of having a, an alliance name that's really difficult to say. I feel like it'll be harder for people to figure it out because you're less likely to say it. Right, like you still, you know, you're still like, oh yeah, we definitely have a name. Oh yeah, what's your alliance name? We're <laughs> <laughs> well, the she sells seashells. By the uh, seashore, I think maybe I'm not sure. The Looney Alliance, and somebody was listening, and they're like, "What? I didn't understand." And then, uh oh, you missed your shot to to catch them. Too late. <laughs> so I had Rick making the finale. I was totally on the same page as you, Liana. Up, up. Saw him in the commercial preview. This means he's mm. going to go far, which he still could be, depending on how Extinction Island works out. I said he would be the absolute clown of the season both an edit and a personality perspective. I said Jeff Probst will call him by his last name. Mm. Ooh, girl. And I put in parentheses, this sounds like a Survivor movie parody that needs to happen. I, Wait, what does? I think that was a uh, joke about call him by his last name, I think. <laughs> Whatever. What? Oh my god. Okay, wait. I just want to say real quick, that is my favorite part about rereading these. It's like, oh, I thought that was a joke. That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Now I want to see, please, someone please make a mock-up poster of Call Me By My Last Name with Jeff Probst and Rick Devins. It needs to happen. Where's I the love peach? It. Yeah, exactly. It'd be a coconut <laughs> instead. Uh, I said his dad bod strategy will pay off when he gets in good with the guys, but he doesn't get targeted in the post-merge. And I said his allies will deem he's too Rixy to take to the finals because he's so well-spoken, so they blindside him. What does that mean? Like, like it was. I think it was a pun on risky, but risky. <laughs> oh, okay, sure, I get well, it. Maybe it was a genuine typo, or it could have been. I don't know. That's I don't know possible. what mood February Mike was in. Apparently, he had just watched mm-hmm. some nice Timothy Chalamet videos yeah. or movies. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Taryn, it's your call here. Leon and I were both pretty <laughs> off the mark when it came to how Rick would place, but who got the details correct overall? 
Uh, I mean, I, I calling by the last name was a really good prediction, but Liana also got that he would be uh, like a duo with David. So this is a this is a close one. Um, there was a lot of like uh, all female alliance talk with Liana though, and I, I haven't seen any of that. So I'm I'm gonna go with Mike. How dare you! Wow, I was feeling a lot like a lesu, and now I finally have my win. <laughs> More like a um, Manu, Manu, which I was trying to make like a Lesu Moru thing, and it doesn't work. Oh, well, P- uh. yeah, Puya was a. Uh, I think I, I commend Puya for making the joke on Twitter. So, it, you know, it, it's a tough one to, to make. <laughs> you were like, oh, someone else did it. So I don't feel like I have to. I'm sure, Mike, that's how you felt. Uh, I will, you know what? Honestly, I will take the loss. Although, when there is an all women's <laughs> alliance, Taryn. <laughs> I will stand corrected. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or when David walks out of the game and goes, that's all, folks. (laughs) Then we'll know. As long as he continues to wear pants, I think then, like, I'm all right with that. Uh, That could be. That was like a loony. Okay, 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 I just want to make sure that that joke goes over okay. No, you know. (laughs) Yes, no, I understand that based on the silence that was received (laughs) when I said that. Okay, but you know how, like, they don't wear pants in the Looney Tunes cartoons, right? Because it's like, oh, it's the animal cartoons that only wear shirts. Yeah. Right? And they like don't wear pants. I mean, so, yeah, sometimes they don't just... wear shirts or pants. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, the joke was based in some <laughs> sort of reference. Did it go over well? No. Let's just move on. All right. Before... Hey, Drew Scott here. And I'm Jonathan Scott reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Before we drop an anvil on Liana's head, uh, let's move on here. So, Taryn, uh, what did you have to bring on to throw out for us to discuss? Chew over like a nice piece of chicken. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm very interested in the strategy of uh, Extinction Island, right? Where because I saw a lot of people talking about like why is Chris feeding uh, Keith and Reem? Why isn't he uh, keeping the food from them so that they're more likely to quit? Which means he's more likely to come back into the game. And so, uh, like my my question is like what what is the ideal strategy for Extinction Island? Should you uh, be uh, this like uh, great person that's feeding everyone else and very friendly and giving the person the hug when they come in so that when they potentially make it to jury, you have guaranteed votes? Or should you be trying to make their life a living hell so that they quit and that you're much more likely to go back into the game? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I was thinking about this from two different perspectives because the first is, okay, let's say you know that only one person can go back in to to the game from Extinction Island. Of course... Okay, one person could go back in You also don't even know then how they're going to go back in. Is it going to be like the outcast Mm -hmm. twist where someone is voted back in? Is it going to be a competition? Because if it's, you know, going to be some sort of challenge, then yeah, of course you want to save your energy. Don't feed people. Be an asshole. Like, don't talk to people because it doesn't matter. Or is this going to be a situation where 
you know, you are going to come back in somehow with a team or there's going to be multiple people coming back. You know, do you really want to burn those bridges so early? And I think the fact that the people on the edge of extinction right now have no idea what's happening, it's really hard for them personally to make a decision about the strategy. It might be a little bit easier kind of knowing the outcome. So I think in terms of uh, if we know that only one person is going to be coming back, then yeah, ignore people. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Save your energy for yourself. If I was Chris and I caught those fish, I would definitely not let Reem or Keith eat any. You know, I would eat it all for myself. So I think it kind of depends on how you think the twist is going to play out and whether or not you know exactly what's going to happen. Have you guys ever watched Stranded with a Million Dollars? Yes! I have not. So the basic concept for those that are not in the know is essentially they strand a group of people out on an island or in the wilderness, and they're, they start off with a million dollars. And whoever survives by the end, who's still in the game, gets to split whatever money's left. They get the opportunity to like spend money on food or supplies that they can use while they're spending their time out in the wilderness. It started off pretty gushy. It seemed like everyone was like, okay, you know, there might be some weak links, but we're all here to to help, you know, iron sharpens iron. We're all going to help each other get to the end. At a certain point, it turned very, very tribal and very, very nasty. Uh, there were basically two sides. You know, there were two people that were outcast uh, because they basically wanted to adopt that strategy that you guys were speaking about of like, hey, you know what? We're pretty good survival people on our own. Let's not, you know, buy any luxuries or food and let's starve everyone out so that we can get the money. And as a result, the group turned against them, it got to a point where someone was pooping in the water supply. It got absolutely bananas. I wonder if right now we are functioning in that sort of calm before the storm area where, yeah, your first few days on on Extinction Island. Hey, you know what? You're sort of out of the game here. Yeah, we'll catch some fish. We'll all share. We're all in this together. I wonder as more people come and the more days you spend in the game, you get a little crazier out there and you think, okay. I'm in it for me now. As the numbers are growing, I realize that I have to be out for myself. And as a result, you might take more drastic actions. So to that, I say, you can be buddy-buddy for now, but I would say just you wait, because I think the best is yet to come as more people arrive on this island. Yeah. I, I feel, because I, I feel like this is opens up a whole new segment of survivor strategy where, uh, you know, you can be a coconut bandit, right? Like steal some food, hoard mm -hmm. the food, uh, you know, go out fishing and then, uh, hide some of the fish and bring back like two really small ones and be like, man, guys, I'm doing my best. I'm, I'll share this with you. I won't take it for myself. And then, you know, later, you know, find a way to eat fish <laughs> without cooking. Well, wait, in front that of reminds me of. Uh, who was it? In, was it in Survivor Nicaragua? Yeah, Jane. Who was it Jane caught the, yeah, Jane. Caught the fish and she ate it on her own. Yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't know how much privacy you would get to <laughs> go fishing and try to hide it by yourself. I don't know. Well, see, um, if you do that, now would be the time to do so, right? Because as more people, it's like the opposite of Survivor. As more people come to the island later on in the game, you're going to have less of an opportunity to sneak off and do stuff. You better do it now when they just say, oh, yeah, Chris is just out in the middle of the ocean. Like, don't worry about him. Like, you can go 
basically run laps around the place, find all the rations, eat all the rice that's up on that mountain, and nobody will even raise an eyebrow at it because there's only two of them. Well, how, how about this, though? You wait until one particular person comes in, say Rick, and then you start stealing the food. Like, mm. we were all fine, we were getting along, and then this guy comes in, he's clearly stealing all of our food, and you place all the blame on him. Hmm, I like that. And I think that that was sort of the original intention. I think when I heard about the Edge of Extinction, that it was like, oh, there's going to be this psychological warfare. We're going to be pitting contestants against one another in a very, you know, Russell burning the socks kind of energy. And I don't know if that's the intention. I don't know if that's where it's going, but I could definitely see that happening. You know why it hasn't oh. happened yet? It's because Wendy's why? still in the game. And she's the wild card. <laughs> That's right. She is the wild card. Can you imagine if Wendy goes to Extinction Island and she's just like causing complete chaos? Wendy would steal the flag <laughs> that, so that signals you quit so that nobody is allowed to quit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then uh, they're like, guys, where did the flag go? I don't know. I didn't I definitely didn't. Take you it. guys, oh I'm not trapped on this island with you. You're trapped on this island with me. She really is the Joker in a manner of speaking. She's like, I'm just a dog chasing a car. Don't know what would happen if I caught it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, another thought I did have, though, is can they just, like, go live where the rice is? That's what I thought. Like, why? What, what do you mean okay. you have to walk all the way to the rice? Why not just yeah. go over there? Right. Like, is it something where, oh, the well that you would like, you can't get water up there. So I guess you would have to like hike down. But I don't know. I would, you know, I, I've seen the memes of people who have been trying to, you know, their cats are too fat. So they buy them these like automatic feeders. And then the cats just literally sleep right next to the automatic feeder because they're so excited about the food. That's what I would do if I was on the edge of extinction. I would just go stand by that tree that gives the rice drops just waiting for food. Yeah, And if the or well is somewhere else, then split the camp up and have some people stay near the food some people stay near the water and just make uh trade-offs Ooh, but then you could have the rice people versus the water exactly that that's <laughs> exactly where i'm going or eventually you have two tribes again and uh and and it's it starts all anew yeah and then there'll uh, be like a cold war right. where the rice people will say like well you know you won't get our rice the water people say, well good luck drinking water the breatharians will say i will outlast you all i will be the all one who survives <laughs> that's right also, I there was a quote from Keith that really made me laugh, so I just have to say it. Keith was like, uh, just sit there. I'm just going to sit here in my wetness and be angry or something like that. And that just, I don't know why, but that really made me laugh. You mean, so if I'm going to get quotes like that, I'm here for don't it. do you mean? I'm just going to sit here in my wetness and be angry. <laughs> Thank you, Aziz. Well, let's move on into our usual foray of games. <laughs> Speaking of Extinction Island, let's let's keep staying on that island, whether we be a water person or a rice person. Liana, what have you got to serve up to us? Oh, that's why. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. So I have a game that I have brought. So this is based on the Edge of Extinction quote from Reem, who said, when Chris showed up, you're not going to come in here to the Holiday Inn. It's the Edge of Extinction. So my original game idea was, is this the Edge of Extinction or the Holiday Inn? <laughs> From a bad review of the Holiday Inn or said about Edge of Extinction. I had a really hard time finding reviews of the Holiday Inn. So I guess like props to the Holiday Wait, really? Inn. Really? Did they, did they scrub their bad reviews? Well, I did find a couple, but it was pretty obvious. It was like, oh, the bed, yada, yada, yada. I was like, well, okay, uh, they'll probably know. So instead, what I have prepared is a game that is 
was this said about the edge of extinction or the fire festival? <laughs> so for those of you who are not familiar, the fire festival was this like failed luxury music festival, um, which was founded by this guy, Billy McFarlane and uh, Ja Rule, the rapper. So first of all, I just want to give a shout out to Ali Lasher, who made this comparison between the fire festival and the edge of extinction, like at episode one. So shout out to her. But what I've done is I have pulled quotes from contestants this season talking about the edge of extinction or well, and quotes said about the fire festival um, pulled from the two documentaries, the Hulu and Netflix documentaries said by people on the island at fire festival. So it is going to be up to the two of you to pick. Is this quote said about the fire festival or the edge of extinction? Before we get into that, uh, are we team Netflix or Hulu when it comes to these documentaries? Well, uh, so I watched both. So Mike, Taryn, I don't know if the two of you watched uh, uh, either one. I have watched neither. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah, I've I've watched Mike, neither. What about either. You? Uh, I know. Uh, oh, great. <laughs> Angela watched the Netflix one, and I heard a bit of a report from there. And I obviously know of the memes going around. I'm assuming if someone in this quote system says, you know, they'd be doing certain lurid things to get onto Extinction Island, I know it'll be the other choice. But yeah, that's about all I know. <laughs> That's okay. I don't think that that will be a benefit to you, Mike, in this uh, in this game. So uh, I definitely watch both. I am on Team Netflix. Mm. However, I did appreciate both because I got it's it's one of those things where I just got super obsessed with it, and so I had like given zero shits about the Fire Festival until both documentaries came out, and then I was like, I need to know literally everything I can about the Fire Festival. Okay, that is besides the point. So let us get started with this game. Mike, this first quote is for you. So this is the quote. This is the most eerie feeling in the world. There are no lights here. Was that said about the fire Festival or at the edge of extinction? Oh, boy. Well, the edge of extinction atmosphere makes me believe that it's that. Because I feel like the fire Festival, I feel like there might have been lights. You know, they might have been uh, bereft of many other supplies, but lights might have been in plenty of supply. So I'm going to say it's the I'm saying it's the edge. That is incorrect. That was said about the fire festival. Really? <laughs> yup. They didn't have lights. OK. Uh, you know what? I wasn't there. I can't speak to it. I only have the testimonials from the people who were there. But yes, apparently this is the most eerie feeling in the world. There are no lights. Okay, Taryn, this next quote is for you. It's dark. It's so freaking dark. You can't see in front of you. Was that said about the fire festival or the edge of extinction? It's a very similar question. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I think I got the short end of the stick on the dark quotes. Uh, I, I, and he, I think I remember hearing this one uh, on Survivor and thinking, isn't there like a fire right there? What do you mean you can't see? Um, but I also thought I had heard the first one you asked. So I was like, oh, I know this one. I remember but uh the exact quoting was off but i'm still gonna go with uh, edge of extinction on this one all right way to stick with your gut yes it was said about the edge of extinction that was reem she said it uh in the beginning on the edge of extinction okay mike this next quote is for you oh my god there's nothing here what's going on holy crap what is this oh boy that, that sounds like said oh there's more <laughs> No, 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 that was it. Which which uh, island was this set about? I feel like that's another reamer, so I'm going to go with Edge. 
Yep, 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 yep. Okay, maybe I put too many ream uh, quotes in here. <laughs> we now know her, uh, you know, her particular way of speaking. Yes, correct. That was also said about the edge of extinction. Okay, Karen, this quote is, I have no idea where I am, and I still don't know what's going on. That Edge of extinction or fire? That feels very fiery to me. Ooh, that was said about the edge Ooh. of extinction. Ooh. This game is so stupid. Okay. <laughs> was it who was Mike, it? Was it this, Keith? Uh I think that was Reem. Are we just on to assume that every edge of extinction quote is about Reem? <laughs> you know what? Not gonna lie. So I rewatched every single segment about the edge of extinction from the edge of extinction. Probably ninety-five percent of the quotes I picked were all <laughs> so I don't know if that gives you any type of advantage, but yes, that was probably said by Reem. Okay. Mike, this next quote is for you. I can't help you. I don't know where I am either. Mm. Fire Festival or Edge of Extinction? That feels... Now I'm trying to think, like, did Reem say it? It doesn't sound like something Reem would say. Uh, <laughs> Reem is not a very did... helpful person. Well, she she did tell Keith, like, I can't help you in the very first episode, but she's very matronly to him now. So I'm going to go with fire. That is correct. That was said about the Fire Festival, which now I'm realizing I should rename this game. Did Reem say this? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's really what this is. <laughs> Maybe okay, Reem went Taryn. to the fire festival. You never know. That is also possible. She was one of those like people on the bus <laughs> being like, oh my god. Welcome okay. to hell, assholes. <laughs> yeah. Here's your cold piece of bread. You, I feel no sympathy for you. I was tricked into coming to this festival, too. <laughs> Oh my gosh, there was, okay, so I tried, my original idea was, like, okay, I'll just find tweets that people said about the edge, or about the fire Festival. All the tweets I found were just making fun of the people at the fire <laughs> Festival. Like, yo, you got screwed over by Ja Rule, ha 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 ha. Like, that was the majority of the tweets. I was like, that's not gonna pass. Like, can you imagine Reem? There could have been another grade of this, though. It could have been... Is it someone making fun of someone for attending the fire festival or a casual comment making fun of someone for getting voted off a survivor? Which also yeah. could be something Reem said. <laughs> exactly. Well, we all know how much Reem hates Ja Rule, so it could very much fit right in there. Yeah, we used to be Ja Reem. Now that's done. <laughs> yes, Ja Reem. Okay, so Taryn, this next quote is for you. This is insane. This is actually insane. It's an emotional roller coaster out here. Edge of Extinction or Fire Festival? Hmm. I did this definitely. I definitely. Oh, wait a minute. That might be a Reem thing. I, I initially thought there's no way that could have been Reem. Uh, but then I remembered she did have a segment where she talked about being emotional. Um, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Reem on this one. That is correct. Yes, it was from the edge of extinction. It's an emotional roller coaster out here. <laughs> uh, although, you know, she couldn't even. Oh my, oh my God, I'm not going to lie. My favorite line from Reem on Edge of Extinction was like, there ain't no steps <laughs> or something along those yeah, lines. She's reading the map like, this is clearly yeah. a misprint. <laughs> oh, redaction on this. There ain't no steps. Okay, Mike. What am I going to do? What am I going to eat? Ooh. Fire Festival or Edge of Extinction? That feels... I, I'm feeling Fire Festival on that one. That is correct. That is the Fire Festival. Because I feel like on Survivor, like, 
you pretty much know what you're going to eat from day one when you sort of look around you. Yeah, well, what am I going to eat is, is already answered. <laughs> That's right. Nothing. Exactly. You're going to be yeah. breatharian. <laughs> Welcome to the edge of extinction. No. Um, okay, Taryn, uh, what's happening? There's no water over here. Hmm. Fire festival or edge of extinction? I mean that feels similar to uh, to my reasoning for that last one. So I'm I'm also I'm gonna go fire festival. Oh, that's correct! Oh my gosh, this is super exciting. So we have a tie. <laughs> uh, so so my tie sent to the fire festival. <laughs> yes, you both have to go to fire festival version 2.0 and report from the field. Could you think of, the- of two less adept people to send out into a wild public event than Taryn Armstrong herself? <laughs> Oh, I am 1000% here for it. It's like weird survivor skills combined with, you know, having to be in a like millennial music <laughs> festival that's a complete disaster. <laughs> I would watch that TV show. The, it, there would be a slow motion walk down with sunglasses on. We'd, we'd rock it, Mike. <laughs> I think, I think yes. we'd be able to figure it out. Yeah, before, like, I don't know, we get jumped and our sunglasses <laughs> get taken away from all these marauders. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be here for it. Okay, so our tiebreaker is going to be. Was this said about Lesu or the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't oh. actually do that. Although that was like, I know, I was like, oh, that's so funny. I was like, I should totally do that. And then I ran out of time. Well, I feel so. like that's more, I don't know, pigeonholed than, than Holiday Inn or Edge of Extension. It could have been like, they need to work on their passing game. I wonder who said that. <laughs> oh, definitely about Lesu for sure. Okay, so uh, here's how the tiebreaker is going to work. I'm going to read a quote. And then you will buzz in, yell your name, <laughs> yell a number, something uh, about whether or not you think it's Edge of Extinction or the Fire Festival. If you get it right, you win. If you get it wrong, you lose. Okay? Right. So, high stakes competition. Here is the quote. Could be amazing. Could be a disaster. Buzz. <laughs> Taryn. <laughs> uh, I- I'm just going to go Fire Festival. Yes! All right. Congratulations! You are the winner of the what's this said about the fire festival or the edge of extinction game? I'm basically so, a fire festival expert, so I uh, you pretty much know everything. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Taryn. I want to keep hanging out in extinction. I realize we've been hanging out in extinction land for like an hour <laughs> at this point, but there's so much interesting stuff in here. I want to talk about the edit style again. I want to take advantage of the fact that you're here, Taryn, because. It's done in such an interesting fashion in a number of different ways between the way that episode one ended with like the very silent, only, uh, you know, backed up by the lapping of the waves with Reem getting out of the boat mm. to the way they, they edit in, you know, uh, they, they, the way they cut into the everyone, people arriving at the edge of extinction. But I think the thing that I've noticed the most and I tweeted about this on Wednesday is the way they do the confessionals on the edge of extinction it's really interesting because in the past, when we've had people on like Redemption Island, for example, they were still shot in a pretty conventional way, right? It was usually like full body or half body, luxuriating in some sort of nature, awkward pose while they talk about the game and themselves. For some reason, on the edge of extinction, they've opted for an extreme close up on pretty much only the face. And you can tell that like they opted on that because I remember, I, I think there's actually a shot in this episode where like there's a close up on Reem and you could feel the camera shake a little bit as they got to adjust. So that means they've been zoomed in the entire time. So I want to hear both of your thoughts as to what you think about this choice to essentially highlight, I guess, the the pores, the skincare that's going on on the edge of extinction by uh, providing such a differentiation between 
how people are talking on extinction and how people are talking in the game proper. I, I like it. I, I like a lot of the choices that they're making, both of the editing and the shots uh, with Extinction Island and, and the whole season, really. Uh, I think that it helps uh, portray this sort of claustrophobic or surrealist sort of feel where you never really get a sense, a full sense of your surroundings, uh, which like adds to the sort of mystery and allure of Extinction Island. And uh, I, I, I like that. I, I really I enjoy what they're doing with it there. Hmm, that's interesting. So I guess I didn't even really think of it apart from the fact that they're making a clear distinction between the confessionals of Extinction Island and the regular confessionals within the game. I didn't even think about it of like, oh, you know, it's because we're zooming in. So, you know, we like can't really see what's going on around us, which is also Hmm. so true with even the twist of the game. Right. I mean, you don't even they don't know why they're there. They don't know. All they know is that they're going to get a chance to potentially come back into the game. You know, very Ibsen of them, you know, to do it that way. I mean, should they then just put them in the dark while they're talking to them as well? (laughs) Black screen. (laughs) Yes. Completely in the dark confessional because they are literally in the dark. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like the uh, high schooler, which I'm sure I definitely did this. I was like, okay, it's going to be super crazy. So when they're in the dark, they're literally in the dark. (laughs) Like, that's how we shoot it. There you go. Uh, I, I like uh, there is uh, there's other things I like about this, too. I love how they're ending the episodes. Um, it just it, they it kind of like you can almost miss it because you're so used to how Survivor usually ends. But the way they pull back uh, on this like very wide shot of the person and their torch walking on the beach with the uh, like the new music that's very like uh, mysterious and kind of like uh, cliffhangery. Uh, I, I really like how that ends uh if if you haven't noticed it try maybe try to pay attention on the next uh episode how it ends it just it feels more um like a narrative it feels more like a a scripted show might uh have some sort of dramatic shot and then also um i loved how they like during the rain uh when it was like oh it's all it's raining like crazy uh we hadn't checked in with extinction island since the beginning of the episode but all of a sudden it was like hey and look this is also affecting them and it like reminded you like oh yeah they're still there and the things that are affecting these people that were watching play the game are still affecting these people on extinction island like these worlds are still connected and at some point they are going to collide again um there's just a lot of like ways that they're playing with the narrative of the season that i'm really enjoying yeah, to the yeah. to the point that the know-it-alls made, I really like how each one of the four people so far, maybe this speaks to their personalities, have taken the signpost choice extremely differently from a behavior perspective. You have Reem saying, like, game on, yeah, hell yeah, let's go. Keith, we talked about, you know, the sign stall where it goes into another episode, lasts an entire week. We have Chris, who lets out the most half-hearted screw those guys that I've heard in quite some time. And Rick... <laughs> just wordlessly grabs the torch and moves onward. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know how many more varied reactions we'll have from the, I don't know, 16 more people that will go there or something like that. But I think it's really fun to just sort of, I don't know, it's a nice litmus test for like, hey, we're going to put this signpost here and put a camera in front of it. It's like a hidden camera show of like, how will people react if we put a torch in front of this sign? Let's see how what they'll do. And to see all the varied reactions so far just speaks completely to all their characters. Yeah, I, I think that that's it's so fun because you almost get. Yeah, it is very much the limits test. It is the Rorschach test of Survivor. You know, how is it that these people are going to react to this particular situation? I think, Taryn, to go back to your point about the uh, 
um, sort of cohesive narrative of Extinction Island and then the regular game. I'm really excited to see sort of how everything kind of converges because you sort of do get these two different but yet related narratives of what's happening on the two different islands or three different islands, four different islands, whatever now. Um, and so I think that when you kind of put it together as a full package, I think it could be really fun. And that's something that I've noticed about a number of these Survivor seasons that, you know, in the moment, you kind of don't really realize what's going on. But when you watch everything together, it really makes this cohesive narrative. And I kind of feel like that's what they're doing with the Edge of Extinction as well. So yeah. what you feel like, Liana, is that the narrative is closed in around the season's face. And once we pan out <laughs> and we see the rest of the body, then we'll get the full picture. Yes, exactly. And it's definitely all in the dark. <laughs> yeah, there's something there's something that Survivor does that is that is different than Big Brother, something an advantage that mm. I think it has, which is that uh, it can operate like uh, like a fun sort of epic novel yeah. where you have multiple main characters in different locations that will eventually converge. And that's like being on a different tribe. And then at the merge, you have this sort of meeting of the Titans where you had the main character on one tribe or the main characters on one tribe against now meeting the, the main characters on another tribe. And now that we have Extinction Island in the mix as well. It's it, that's it's like adding to that sort of excitement of like, oh, now these like they're going to be surprised and there's going to be this moment where it's like, oh, these people that we've been following are going to interact with these people. And uh, and there's something really fun about that. Yes. OK, this is where Julie comes in. And I don't want to talk about the addict, edgic, edict, whatever too much. Um, but I will say that's what I love about Survivor in comparison to Big Brother is not that I don't love Big Brother, but just because they have the opportunity to really put together like some cohesive narrative and some story, being able to sort of make these predictions about what you think is going to happen to people sort of based on the way that they're edited is a lot of fun to me and that's where like i was like oh julie look at julie getting all her airtime even though maybe it's not necessary and so it's almost sort of fun to make these kind of predictions of what you think is going to happen just based on the way that the story is being told and that's what's so much fun about the edit uh in survivor you know if that's something that is of interest to you all right well let's move on here into our next game so we have a new tribe that has been created another green tribe called Lesu. And look, we've done 38 seasons of Survivor. Sometimes some tribe names are going to blend together. And I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to show that off. You two are going to be playing a game I'd like to call Lesu, Levu, or Luzon. And here's how it works. I am going to read you a question, the answer of which is either going to be Lesu, the basically new Manu tribe from Survivor Edge of Extinction, Levu, the Heroes Tribe from Survivor Heroes vs. Healers vs. Hustlers, or Luzon, the Hapless Brain Tribe from Survivor Kagayan. The answer is going to be one and only one of those tribes. Now, for simplicity's sake, I know that Levu technically went through a swap. I am just counting the first instance of the Levu Boo Bears, the, uh, the, the hero version, but it's going to be one of those answers. See how good you guys are, uh, whether one of you is in the nominal aphasia category when it comes to these tribe names. Do I have to remember the names because I've already forgotten them? All right, well, this, this, let's, let's try to figure out a mnemonic for this. I think, uh, no, I think Taryn has to because I like this handicap for him. There's, yes, uh, there's lasso, losing, yes. and what? So you do have to, so Lesu, which just think like less soon, like less soon we'll be seeing them again at tribal council because they're the David tribe. They're going to keep losing. We have oh Lev Levu, which are the Wait, uh, Lesu is the David tribe? 
Lesu is is the not not the David yeah. tribe from last season. From David, yeah, from David versus Goliath. Yes, exactly. It's it's a yeah. very archaic uh, Fijian term. So Lesu is the green tribe from this season with David Wright on it. To okay. be more specific, not just a David tribe, the David tribe. Uh, we have Levu, which are the heroes from Heroes versus Healers versus Hustlers, and we have Luzon, the brains tribe from Survivor Kagayan. And yes, you have to say the right name. <laughs> Wait, so less wait, so are we considering Lesu pre swap or the entire Oh, I There's guess been it's one the same episode people. of Lesu. <laughs> yeah, okay, never mind. I, I had a feeling this would happen and I'm here for it. So I'm I'm just happy for everyone getting I wanted to sort these names out, but I feel like I'm just gonna end up confusing it even more and muddying the waters even more. Well, here's what I will say. I think David Wright on Luzon really did a great oh, job. No, Leona. We're we're gonna this is gonna oh, be wait. one big Mandela uh, effect of a podcast. I'm realizing that now. Yeah, exactly. Berenstein Bears all over again. Uh Berenstein Lavubu Bears. All right, let's let's start with yes. you, Taryn. So again, it's going to be Lesu, <laughs> Levu, or Luzon. So, which tribe in in the first challenge that all these tribes competed in? Which tribe was not the last tribe to get to the final part of that challenge? So two of these challenges had a puzzle. One of them had like that table maze. One tribe was not the last tribe in the game to get to that challenge. Was it Lesu, Levu, or Luzon? Hmm. Uh, not the last. And I'm looking for the one that's not the last. And I'm trying to remember what they're called. Um... I'm trying to remember if they. Uh, I'm going to say the Levu. That is correct. Yes, <laughs> the both the Lesu and Luzon tribes uh, both got to the puzzle laster in their challenges. Levu, if you guys remember the opening challenge of Triple H, was like they had to. The final part was like grab your own maze and figure it out. The heroes were actually first to the maze, but they completely biffed it ended up going to tribal council. So Taryn, you were you were on the board right now. I'm shocked. <laughs> wow, I am shocked also. So it's so funny. You read the question, Mike, and I was like, I have absolutely no clue. <laughs> like, thank God. Taryn will screw it up. On- <laughs> no, no. The hardest, Here we are. the hardest part is try because it's like it's a three part question, really. And the yeah, hardest part yeah. is trying to figure out all three parts while also not having a ton of dead air. I write very SAT-like questions, which means, Taryn, you cannot bring in a parent to take this for you, please. You should be answering them on your own. Oh, well, I guess I already cheated then. <laughs> All right, Liana, let's move on to you here. Okay. Lesu, mm. Levu, or Luzon. Which Can you, like, not say the name before? Because somehow that also messes me up. Like, I'm already very much David Looney Tunes Alliance. Like, it's screwing me up. I can't do Levi, it. Okay, so there was or three... T- exactly. Shut up, Taryn. She's just gonna yell random tribe names. Okay, so there were three tribes. Which one did what? Which tribe does Thank not you. have a member with a noticeable hat? <laughs> what? <laughs> Which what? tribe does not have a member with a noticeable hat? It's not a three-part what? question. What does that even mean? Okay, you know I'm a sorry. hat that you notice. No, so if someone has a hat that I don't notice. Then does that count? No. So two of like, these tribes have someone who wears a hat that we've seen a few times. One tribe is hatless. Is it Lesu, Legu, or Luzon? Okay, Ben wore a hat on Levu. Okay? Done. 
Uh, who else wore a hat? Who on this season wore a hat? Okay, wait. Okay, who was on? Oh my god! Oh my goodness gracious! Okay, so, uh, okay, did David Wright wear a hat? Was it a noticeable hat? <laughs> I mean, the war dog wore a hat. I guess was it a hat or was it just a buff? Okay. You know what? I'm going to think that that falls under noticeable, even though I know Mike, you're obsessed with Victoria's beanie. Uh, although she is not. <laughs> it's very if noticeable. I, if I'm going with my taxonomy of what's a noticeable hat. That is like mm. the creme de la creme. <laughs> the ben de la creme. So barring any weird Kalishness going on, I am going to go with Luzon. Did not have a noticeable hat. That is correct. They were exposed brains. To the environment. Oh, uh, yes, Ben's cowboy hat. And I did go with War Dog's little black hat that he wore on Lesu as a noticeable hat. Yeah, I think that's very noticeable. noticeable. <laughs> Again, like define noticeable. Actually, I, I want people out there. Can you define what is not a noticeable hat? Because I feel here, like it's. Here, here's, here's why I think that it's not noticeable because I think that uh, more noticeable is War Dog's bald head. So if your head see, is more noticeable than the, the hat, it's not a noticeable hat. Right. Like if Taryn and I remember him more for either his bald head or his buff. Well, either, you know what? Never mind. Mike, what a great question. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, do not bite the hand I that love feeds it. you, Liana. <laughs> yeah, I will take that point. Thank you very much. Good luck, Taryn. <laughs> All right, Taryn, next question to you. Which tribe has the youngest average age? Now, this is the age of the players at the time they played the game, not today. So which tribe of the three has the youngest average age? Lesu, Levu, or Luzon? Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, I, I think I'm going to go with Lesu. That is correct. By a smidge. Uh, the average age for Levu is 35.3333. That's because I think, you know, you had your two oldest contestants there in Chrissy and Katrina. Luzon had an average age of 33.6 repeating. Lesu, just 33.6. So Luzon wanted to be the spring chickens, but they barely got edged out by Lesu there. There you go. Ooh, I think they're actually 29. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I, I was a bit surprised by that just because I don't know. Uh, I, I expect, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm looking at the makeup of the tribe and, you know, I know Lauren's super young, but I was like, okay, all these other people come off as much older. I know that Kelly celebrated her 32nd birthday out there. Uh, so maybe she brings down the average a bit. But yeah, the others and, are pretty far out there. Yeah. And something else, something else that also almost threw me off is that uh, Lesu has returning players, which are often older than your average casted yeah. player. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Liana. Which tribe has the highest combined followers on Twitter? Lesu, <laughs> Levu, or Luzon? Ooh, because you have like Cass, Spencer, and Tasha, who I feel like could have a lot of followers on Luzon. But Levu has Bendry, Bergen, and Chrissy. And we all know JP, I'm sure, has so many followers. Uh, I don't think I found a Twitter profile for JP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but on the other hand you also have david wright and kelly wentworth who are players who have played before so that kind of oh my god mike what uh, okay um you know what i'm just gonna take a complete shot in the dark i think i'm gonna say 
Lesu because of David Wright and Kelly Wentworth. I'm sorry. The correct answer is Luzon. Uh, Spencer. Yeah. So, yeah. So Kelly. Damn it. Kelly had about 30,000. David has about 15.5. But yeah, Spencer carrying the weight of the Brains tribe, uh, much like he did in some of those challenges. Literally on his back. Yeah, with 56K. I mean, Kaz is no slouch. She has 22K, but everyone else sort of falls below uh, what David and Kelly were. So yeah, Spencer definitely carries the Brains over the line here. Damn. Jacob Morris. (laughs) All right. Taryn, I'm moving on to you here. I'm I'm taking a bet here. We'll we'll see if it pays off. So one of these tribe names was also used as a tribe name in a foreign edition of Survivor. Lesu, Levu, or Luzon. Which one was it? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, good luck using logic, Taryn. Lesu, Levu, Luzon. Hmm. I'm going to say... I honestly have no idea. Levu. I'm sorry, Ah. Leona, do you want to guess? Nope. It was Luzon Can I just from Survivor South Africa. Oh, duh. <laughs> uh, look, I can barely remember the tribe names from Survivor US. Like, how am I supposed to remember tribe names? I actively yeah, exactly. don't remember the tribe names for Survivor US. <laughs> and yeah, that's why I've sucked at every portmanteau game we play. And I'm pretty sure Colin Stone like, kicked my ass on the portmanteau game the first time. There's a reason for it. Uh, I, I will say I will not spoil anything because I know that that's a, a big thing around here. But I will say Luzon continues the craziness that comes with the tribe name. I will leave it at that. I watched that season. I don't even know which tribe. Oh, really? I don't even know that. See, I I did a three hour podcast with Mike Bloom and Shannon Gates about this, and I don't remember their name, so it's all good. All right, let's move on here. Back to Liana. Which tribe? has the most members from the West Coast. Lesu, Levu, or Luzon? Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm counting it as when you were on the game, in the game, the city that you wrote down that shows on your bio, that's what I count as where you're quote-unquote from. Okay, so, but, but like, let's... Okay, sure. So let's say someone, though, that is from... Like, isn't Spencer from Chicago? Is that West Coast or does that? What? Or did you just say like, oh, no, that How doesn't Chicago count. The West Coast. Well, don't give her hints. Or the East Coast, I mean. <laughs> That's what I meant. That's what I meant. <laughs> Chicago is neither West Coast nor East Coast. <laughs> I know. But that's so sad. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So it has to be specifically from the West. Okay. But like, how far inland <laughs> do you get? Like, is Rick Devins in Georgia? Like, is he too far inland? We're not going to count him as East Coast. Well, first of all, it's West Coast. Secondly, are you implying that Georgia can be construed as being West Coast? No, I don't know. I'm just trying to understand what it means. Okay, you're talking about California, aren't you? I, I, so if I'm looking out my window and I see the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> I consider that West Coast. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I think I... You know what? Honestly, I... I have no idea. What's the first? Levu. How about Levu? I'm sorry. It was Lesu. Uh, we have. Oh, of course. Wardog David are from California and Kelly is from Washington. So mm-hmm. all West Coast states. 
Mm. Or mm. I guess but according to Liana, Georgia? they're all West Coast states. <laughs> I don't know. Spain is a West Coast state, according to Liana. I, I, you know what? I'm sorry. Geography was not my strength <laughs> in school. Okay, what's an isthmus, Mike? Can we go over that? Yeah, it's a thing where I believe it's where no man. I'm thinking of a peninsula where it's it's surrounded on all sides except for one. Uh, isthmus. As I Google it. <laughs> Uh, I did not spell it correctly. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, you know what? Who cares? This is not a geography lesson. Do you think people turn into like tune into the B and B to hear about geography? <laughs> or I like, no, I want to hear dick jokes in '69. <laughs> well, that's true. All right, well, let's move on to you, Taryn. I'm gonna stick in geography here. So, Liana, I don't. I, if you want to go grab a drink of water, screw or you, Mike. <laughs> so, which tribe has two people who listed as being from the same city? Lesu, Levu, or Luzon? Being from the same city. Um, I'm trying to remember who even was on Levu. Uh, exactly. Um, also, while Taryn thinks about this, I will say I did figure out how to spell Isthmus, if anyone is curious. It is a narrow strip of land with sea on either side. So, like, Panama would be an Isthmus. Oh. Okay. Why, why anyway. did they not subtitle season 12 instead of Exile Island, Exile Isthmus? <laughs> Speaking of rolling off the tongue, Exile Isthmus just definitely rolls off the tongue. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Levu. I'm sorry, it was Luzon, <gasps> uh, Spencer and Jatia, both from that West Coast city of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so you hit a bit of a cold streak. I believe uh, Taryn has a one-point lead right now. Liana, you need to get this correct. You want to tie it up. Which, Whatever, dude. Which tribe had the most married people on it at the time that they were playing? Lesu, Levu, or Luzon? First of all, I love that you specify like at the time of playing. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Okay, well, I think Levu because I'm pretty sure like Chrissy, Allen, Ben, and Katrina were all married. So I'm gonna say Levu. That is correct. You were right on the money there. Yes, and maybe JP and Ashley will be married one day. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, though. I don't know. Uh, you need to find the idol first. I think there's still some They'll stuff. get... <laughs> yeah, he's taking off his pants. They're going to get married on an isthmus. It's fine. Uh, well, I don't have a tiebreaker, but... <gasps> oh, good! <laughs> we can play the game of was this said about Lesu or the Cleveland Browns? Or Lesu or Levu or Luzon or whatever. I mean, I think we all won here because I think we all just got a bit more confused about not only which tribe is which, but also what constitutes a West Coast state. I think mm. we're all a bit dumber <laughs> from playing that game, and I think that makes us all winners. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Can we call it? Okay, I'm like also very down for being like, oh yeah, Levu. But lose on. Like, that'll be our running gag. We'll just call them by the wrong name. It's totally. Is oh, that the sequel to Call Me By Your Last Name? Yes, exactly. Levu. So that'll be, uh, what? That'll be Tarzan and, uh, or it'll be Keith, starting Keith Nail and Tasha Fox. Call Me By My Wrong Name. <laughs> exactly. Call Me By My Wrong Name. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I would like to move away from the Lesu Levu Luzon of it all. 
um, and talk about my question of the week, which is the Ron Clark rule. So we are building the addendum to the Ron Clark rules all about survivor gameplay. So, so far, we have rule number 56, Reem Daily, which Reem has been reaming daily. So she's doing a great job with that rule. Rule number 57 is speak softly and carry a big snake. And rule number 58 is don't be stupid, stupid. Watch your back. So what is the rule that we are going to add this week? Rule number 59. So my first thought was release the chickens. It's fine. But I was like, "Mm, that's probably not the right rule. So I don't know if either of you have thoughts about this. Taryn, I don't know if you can help us out with our Ron Clark rule. What do you think? I did. I did think about this and I feel like I have a pretty good rule. Um, It's always go through somebody's bag 20 minutes ago, because if you think about it, right, what's what is the hardest part? What is the most dangerous part about going through somebody's bag? They might catch you. But if you did it 20 minutes ago, then it's already done and they can't catch you anymore. Is that like a, you know, when a demanding boss is like, I needed this done yesterday. <laughs> like, is that what you're saying, essentially? Like, you should be looking through that bag 20 minutes ago. Exactly. Because once once we have the scene with uh, with Ron and Joe, it's already happened. He can't catch him anymore. I like that. I think that's good. Also, I think it promotes time travel, yes. which I am definitely a fan of. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> when it happened. Yeah, I mean, so, I, yes, the chicken rule is interesting, but it definitely is not fine. So I, feel like it's, I, I, <laughs> just want, I just want to talk about that for a second, because I think a recurring thing, I honestly don't know what the edit is trying to do with Wendy. What I'm loving is this recurring theme of Wendy believing that she is the sneakiest person in the room and everyone just completely being on to her. I, you made this comparison with Angelina last season, Liana, but I have to bring it up here that she totally is the kid playing hide and seek who is hiding <laughs> behind the curtain with her feet poking out from underneath, but thinks nobody can see her. I just love that every time she's like mm-hmm. this episode, she's like, I returned the Flint and David found it and said, Oh, I guess we brought the Flint black, you know, cut to Kelly and Lauren. Oh, she definitely hid the Flint from us. And then later on in the episode, she says, I freed the chickens with her weird, like Sim esque movement of throwing her yeah. arms by the side and doing weird. peace <gasps> signs. She's like an anime girl with like throwing up the peace sign. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. That's so true, though. I mean, it sounds like she's doing the dub for herself. (laughs) She's doing all these random actions, and then she's going back behind him, like, "Uh, we will not lose because we are all athletes, so we'll never go back to Tribal Council. (laughs) Uh, I'm actually pretty sure if you go back and watch, the, you know, the language doesn't actually, like, the words don't match up with the lip flaps, you know? So it's definitely I mean, I'm team subs over dubs, personally, when it comes to my (laughs) anime, but you know what? I'll, I'll go for it. But, like, She's like, oh, yeah, you know, I release the chickens. You know, I am my own prerogative. I'm going to, you know, it's great that these people are super nice, but I got something to do. So I'm going to free the chickens and cut to the next day. Victoria's like, we we know that it was her, (laughs) you know, like there's nobody else that would have let these chickens go. It has to be Wendy. Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. I, I it's so interesting to see something like that happen with almost no repercussions which is you know the original idea for the rule was like just release the chickens it's fine it's like totally fine because she is now coming across as this goat 
which, you know, I'm sure she would release also. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, that move from Wendy, very sapnin. Well, see, it makes me wonder how like what is the best way to save chickens lives on Survivor? Because I feel like Wendy is in a catch 22 where if she frees the chickens and makes this big deal out of it, then it makes for content on the show, which Survivor loves, which means guess what's happening more often? They're going to get chickens more often because they love when this conflict arises. So by saving the chickens, she's condemning countless more chickens to death, which means if you want to save the chickens, you need to do it in a sneakier way. Even to production, I guess, like sneak them out when the camera's not looking. Exactly. Can you imagine on the flight back to America? Like, uh, please buckle your seatbelt and stow your, uh, you know, bags <laughs> under the seat. What? Oh, no, it's fine. It's just my bag. No, I, I think you should dress the chicken up like someone else. Oh, oh my god one time my mom thought about doing that she was like well dress your dog up like your little baby brother it's like mom it's a dog can you imagine like trying to dress your chicken up and be like no this is a person it's fine yeah, i'm flying back with mad van wagnon <laughs> and mark yeah yeah chicken exactly I basically do, I, do... I, I think i think that we need to find the danny boatwright of chicken saviors <gasps> yes i am very much here for that yeah, I mean, listen, if, if Ron Clark will speak softly and carry a big sna- a snake, it's like, speak softly and, I don't know, free, free the chickens without telling everybody and telling <laughs> the camera. But then you don't get the CM money, so it's a tricky situation. It, it really yeah. is. I do love also that these poor chickens, in many ways, shape, or forms, because when Wendy gets them up, like, they're very nicely nestled under that tree, and so you could feel the chickens, and her mom was like, what? I'm so cold. Like, why are you getting me up? I have to walk over here. Okay, I guess. I love that they wouldn't like they kept coming back and she was like, no, go away. Like it was like the scenes in the movies where you have to like make the dog run away. And it's like, no, I hate you, chickens. I never loved you. Like throw rocks at them. Yeah, exactly. Like very Harry and the Hendersons. Like, just go. Just leave me. You've you've been a bad chicken. But but you realize, so like, Wendy brought this on herself because this is the thing that got, you know, Mark the Chicken so domesticated is because Ty just tied, tied a, a, a string around his foot. And because it got so comfortable in camp, like, it basically just hung around. It wasn't going to go anywhere. I think because Wendy wanted to keep the chickens alive for so long, this is now their home. And so if you set them free, they're not going to leave. So Wendy unintentionally, like, sealed their own fate where... She let them free, but they're not going to leave because this is now where they live. Mm. Look, I don't know much about chickens, but definitely Fiji is not their native home, right? So, of course, they're going to be like, well, this is where there was feed earlier. Although, actually, that's a good question. Do they get when you get a chicken? Do you get feed with the chicken, the reward chickens or no? No, I'm pretty sure they did. They just eat coconut, I think. Mm, Okay. well, maybe they were excited about the coconut. I don't know. Anyway, I, you know, also maybe it says something that we can extrapolate about human behavior that even though you're released from your captors, you still have <laughs> gravity towards them. I don't know. Well, so we officially said rule number 50, what, 59 at this point is uh, search through someone's bag 20 minutes ago. Always, exactly. always go through the All- bag 20 minutes ago. Yes, always go through someone's bag 20 minutes ago. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, let's move on here to the final segment of each and every week here on the BNB, the question of the week. Last week's question of the week in honor of the Caitlin Herman drop in, which I'm sure Taryn's spidey sense 
felt, <laughs> even if he wasn't watching know-it-alls at the time. Uh, which Survivor <laughs> player would you want to randomly show up at your house? As per usual, we'll give a few answers that you guys gave, and we'll go around the horn. Before we get to it, Taryn, can I get your thoughts on the Caitlin Herman cameo that she made on the know-it-alls? I mean, I'm just surprised that Rob didn't see it coming. I think I've been under the assumption that uh, she's been teaching him some, you know, you know, psychic abilities. And uh, I'm disappointed that he didn't see it coming. It's all on Rob. How dare he (laughs) not see her coming? That is terrifying. Can you imagine? What if that? Oh, I mean, like, I don't know. I can't imagine if somebody just showed up at my house, although... I will have an answer of who I want to randomly show up at my house. So maybe I should open my door. Let anybody in. So if we time travel back to 2014 and I had sent Liana Boris a visit from Missy and Baylor, you would not be receptive to it? Oh, I'm totally here for it. We'd have a great time. They would just show up. <laughs> All right. So first up, Parker Schimler says, I would want Reem. She would not only provide entertainment, but she also she would do my laundry. I don't know if she would. Only if she saw Parker as a uh, child in her whole like, oh, I have to be a motherly figure now. Otherwise, I feel like Reem would just show up and Reem you daily. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. We, we, didn't, we opened up the uh, the question as to like how long they would be staying. So she could just be like a live-in person now. Yeah, because then you'd show up at home every day and be like, what? You think you deserve a <laughs> uh, welcome just because you were out at work? Oh my god, can you imagine? Reem welcomes you home every day the same way Reem welcomed home Chris. Damn, they got you, bro. Like, not not happy you're here. Doesn't it suck? I want a Reem doorbell. (laughs) And then it says that every time you ring the doorbell. It goes, you suck. And then you open the door. Oh, there's so many. That's what. Okay, so because I had to go re-listen to all of the uh, Edge of Extinction segments, I did hear a lot of Reem. She's so many like stupidly funny quotes. <laughs> so I would be very here for that. I would also buy a Reem plushie that you could like squeeze. <laughs> be like not today, bro. <laughs> all right, people, get on that. I think this is something we could legitimately market. We'll sell it to all the isthmuses. Uh, Megan J says, if I could have any survivor show up at my house, it would have to be Angelina with her immunity idol ladder to help me change the light bulb I can't reach. Not only that, but would she try to steal your jacket? I think that would be the real question. I'm just surprised. I mean, does Megan have a light bulb 50 to 100 feet in the air? Because that's how far the ladder went up, apparently. Oh my god. As long as the Angelina comes with Mike... (laughs) Like white, just being like, mm, it's not up there. Yeah, I don't even know what are one of my like. Can you imagine like, Yo. yeah, like the the duo cleaners of Angelina fixing stuff on the ladder, and Mike just wandering around with a wine glass, like, all right, I guess this is clean. I guess we could do that. <laughs> uh, John John says, Survivor player, I'd love to see just show up at Rob's Studio is the purple or oh, Rob Studio. I guess John John took a different interpretation <laughs> of, the, of the question. Uh, is the purple pants badass Bryce Isaiah and just start singing his famous song Freak. I'm going to warp John John's answer a little bit here. How would you feel about a singing telegram from Bryce Isaiah? You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me in Harry Potter of the Howler message that would like show up and all of a sudden start like yelling at you. Can you imagine if you opened a letter at your front door and all of a sudden it's Bryce Isaiah singing his song at you? I would be very much here for that. Can I, Again, let's get on the whole marketing team. So we're getting the Reem plushie that yells at you. And now I would like the Bryce Isaiah doll that sings at you. Very much here for both of those items. I would personally like 
uh, a howler. Like, I want to make it, I want to do an offshoot of Cameo where it's just like, send a quick sound clip to somebody because I do want, I do like on this howler idea, like, let's say you really piss somebody off or someone pissed you off. You send them an email and when they open it up, it's like, Patty! Just him screaming your name furiously, <laughs> like one of those ghost things that pop up while you're trying to watch a video. I- I'm here for it. Okay, new idea. Instead of cameo, we get the survivor players to go to people's houses to give messages of some sort. It could be positive, it could be negative, it could be howler esque, but you like send them out on different missions. I think that's a great idea. Mm, Karen, what are you thinking about that? Is that marketable? Uh, well, are are they going to Survivor fans or people who don't know who they are? You could do either, but definitely I know what I would do with my first um, Survivor literal cameo. I would send Caitlyn to <laughs> Taryn's house <laughs> to mess with him. But Caitlyn's not a Survivor. Yeah, but you know, it extends to Big Brother and right. <laughs> it works for the joke, Taryn, damn it. <laughs> I would send the entirety of Levu and Lesu to both of your houses and have them mix up a bunch, like start shuffling each other around and be like, okay, who's in what tribe? And just watch you guys suffer. Yeah. And then the background like Luzon shows up, be like, but what about us? <laughs> I think it could work. I think it could work. Uh lastly, Justin Feinberg says. Survivor person I would most want to show up to my door unannounced would be Crazy Dave Cruiser. He would be beyond useless to talk Survivor with, but he'd build me a bomb-ass fire pit, which would definitely come in handy during the long winter months. Justin, I'm going to reason with you. There's a good chance Dave Cruiser will be naked, but you know what? You do you, (laughs) boo-boo. Just like David and the Looney Tunes Alliance. (laughs) Yes, Dave Cruiser is the true David Looney Tunes. (laughs) That's actually what it was based off of, was Dave Cruiser, not Dave Wright. All right. Well, Taryn, if you would have a Survivor player show up to your place unannounced, who would you rather be out of the 500 plus that we have available? Uh, This was a tough question. Um, And, uh, you know, (laughs) hold on. I I totally uh, blanked on her name, actually. Uh, The person that uh, Angelina wanted the jacket from the second time. Natalie. Natalie. Yes. I would I would want Natalie to show up uh, at my house because I think that she could really help me with my leadership skills and self-awareness. And I just I really want somebody like her to tell me what to do. I think if Natalie is going to show up, I would love her on the morning updates yes. with you, Taryn. Just sort of sitting is almost like, you know, the angel over your shoulder, <laughs> just chastising you for what you are doing right and doing wrong. I would be very here for exactly. that. Exactly. She's sitting in the corner uh, and when I'm, you know, talking about how, oh, M- Mackie, I can't believe he did this. She'll go, hey, no, hey, actually, uh, he did this. Um, you, you're being too hard on him. Stop. Yeah, just like clarify. <laughs> podcasting like a real david there taryn yeah (laughs) yeah that's right um okay so for my answer of what survivor i would want to have randomly show up so i said rupert solely because of an interaction on twitter that happened with rupert and jordan kalish gave me permission to talk about this so i'm gonna talk about it so rupert tweeted something where he said what parent names their kid war dog and uh, someone named Jimmy responded, Rupert, I think he has a case of the updog. What do you think? Ugh. And Rupert, actual Rupert, responded, what's up, dog? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait until next week when they're like, 
Hey, Rupert, you know this new tribe, Asphincter says what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, poor Rupert, he's good at catching fish, but he got caught here in a real bad one. Mm. Oh, it's so good. It's so funny. It makes me so happy. Just because it's one of those things that, like, oh, you think, oh, this joke, I'm going to try it. You know, no one will ever fall for it. And when someone does, payoff is just so beautiful so when rupert shows up at my house that's the joke i'm gonna make and i'm super excited about it do you think he's gonna catch on the second time around well the other idea i had was uh you know the definitely i'm very uh sapnin right now and then he'll be like what's sapnin he'd be like i don't know what's happening with you (laughs) nothing much (laughs) i'm at your house thanks rupert wait a minute are you making fun of me are you bullying yeah. me? I don't think I'll get it. And then, like, it's fine. Let's just get you back onto Twitter. We'll figure out your password. Yeah, maybe that's why you want to invite him over is to like get unlock his Twitter account. I thought yes. you wanted to invite him over because you needed to improve on the foundation of your house. Well, I just need someone to dig a hole under my house. That's actually really what I rent right now. Your, want right now? Your bed goes there now. <laughs> this is a log under your house. Now yes. I, I broke a few toes. Uh, Do you have a band aid? <laughs> Um, although I will say I do have an answer also for who I do not want to show up randomly at my house and I will say Shane Powers because he might kill me in my shitty apartment (laughs) that's very true that's very true do not break that man's word Uh, so I went with someone who I think would just be a lot of fun to watch talk and just rummage around my house Uh, I went with Yao Man because I feel like Yao Man does a bunch of fun science stuff and I legitimately feel like if I let Yao Man into my apartment, he could Mr. Wizard the shit out of this place of just find a bunch of things to do random fun things with. And I would be continually impressed and excited. Another upside with <laughs> Yao Man is that he might give you a car. Yeah, I'll take an Uber home. You keep it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, again, with the car, that would be great. But really, I'm actually here for the Mr. Wizard of it all, especially Mike, because you look like one of those kids that was in all of the Mr. Wizard videos, like the weird white nerdy boy. <laughs> no offense. I love I'm you. Pretty, I'm pretty sure that should, exactly be, what you that should like. be how I define my aesthetic from now on. It's like the kids from Mr. Wizard. That's how I dress and behave. You are wearing a wizard hat right now, right? Uh huh. Always. That's in my podcasting hat, Terry. <laughs> That's how I make the magic happen. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. I thought we were all supposed to be wearing wizard's hat. Uh, did I miss out on this? What? This is our Breatharian's official <laughs> Yes, this we have now inducted hat, you. People. It funnels the light into a nutritional source. <laughs> exactly. It's the only way we can survive with our notable hats to be Breatharian. <laughs> can we like take a second to just be like, this is the B&B right now? Because my lord... <laughs> this is why I don't try to explain this to my parents. Be like, well, we were talking about Breatharians and noticeable hats, and then Taryn made this joke that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Bob. Bob. I would, I would say that, uh, basically, I don't know, maybe we could describe the Mr. Wizard Kid as the aesthetic of the B&B as well, with just a lot of nonsense that we attempt to turn into wonder and excitement that sometimes just comes across as very odd. Yes, and a lot of static balloons. <laughs> Absolutely. All we're, all, we're all real frizzy by the end of it. Uh, so next week's question of the week. So Wendy has a relationship with the chickens uh, in, in more ways than one, considering now they want to hang around her all the time. So we're going to go back to the fact that we are now apparently a part zoological podcast. Mm. Uh, what animal 
do you think would be the best alliance mate in Survivor? Any animal in the entire animal kingdom you would want on a Survivor season to be your ally. I can't believe we're asking this as a question. <laughs> Such a stupid question. I love it. I love it so much. And uh, as I guess as an addendum, what noticeable hat would you have them wear? Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Uh, oh so- my god, that actually reminds me. You know those like snakes with the little top hats? Little top oh, hat, no? I think, is okay. the stock answer for any any hat that you put on an animal. Yeah, that's actually that's very true. But anyway, there are videos out there with snakes with little top hats, and they're very cute. So that's what I'm picturing in my mind. All right, so you have a bunch of ways you can reach out to us with this answer. You can use the hashtag RHAPBNB. You can email RHAPBNB at gmail.com. We're working, at the R- we're working on the RHAPBAAB domain as well, Karen, just for you <laughs> to, fun- to funnel in uh, some answers. You can respond to us on Facebook on RompasWebsite.com. Uh, we have a bunch of ways of receiving all that. Unfortunately, I will not be here next week. I hear there is a Lesu News Network founded by Rick Devin. So I'm going to fly down to the West Coast state of Georgia, see if I can pitch him on a Ron Clark rules recurring segment. But Liana, uh, what will be going on next week in my absence? Yes. So we are slated to have a double episode. So we are bringing in double guests, which I am super excited about. You're going to be joined by, or me, I am going to be joined by the Real Weird Sisters. So I'm so excited to have the two of them on to talk about everything with Survivor, everything with this double episode. And I think it's going to be a really great time. I love the Real Weird Sisters. I'm so excited to listen to that. Hopefully they have a castaway who they are standing as much as they stand Professor Grubbly playing. I really needed them to weigh in on all of the noticeable hats that may or may not have been seen on this season or other seasons. We're going to break it all down. Listen, uh, Rob, I know you're listening. Let's patch ourselves in to do like a, I don't know, a July 17th offseason podcast on most noticeable survivor hats. It's going to be a thing. I am very excited (laughs) for the way that that brand steel breaks down. It's going to be great. Absolutely. Hats off to that brand steel. Uh, All right. So, Taryn, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us about basically an hour's worth of edge extinction and another half hour's worth of trying to figure out what is Lebu, Lesu, and Luzon. Uh, We always appreciate you having back on here. How can people follow you on social media if they haven't yet? And uh, do you want to give a quick preview or summation as to all the great stuff you're doing with Big Brother Canada 7 right now? Well, basically, uh, hopefully people don't need to know my social media because they've followed me 20 minutes ago. Um, and if they haven't, then I'm sorry, but you missed out. Uh, <laughs> um, but if you want if, if you want to be late to the party, it's uh, at Armstrong Taron on Twitter. And we are talking about Big Brother Canada. Uh, it's a fun show to follow. Uh, I know some people are intimidated by like, oh, how do I watch it? It's actually very easy. Um, if you uh, if you're interested, you can just uh, you can find it. There are plenty of uh, Brent. Uh, if you want to follow Brent at One Lucky Gay, he has it uh, pinned to his Twitter account. How to watch Big Brother Canada, and it's a lot of fun. You don't even have to watch it; you can just follow the morning updates and have fun with us there, because that's really where the fun and, and the magic happens. And we wear wizard hats, so uh, check all that out. I will be live every morning at 11 a.m. Eastern to talk about the show, and then uh, Monday nights are our roundtable nights where we play a fun game of stock market Big Brother games. <laughs> Which, so if you're into games, yes, which I would say is that the stock watch is the like three part SAT question equivalent when it comes to Big Brother in terms of it's a really interesting way to suss out, you know, 
how what people's positions in the house are doing, but it's also fairly complicated when you lay it out as just a structure. Yeah, it's slowly getting more and more complicated, but at the same time, I'm trying to make it simpler, like presented in a more simple way while the back end is more complicated. So I'm, I'm trying to make that work as best as possible. Liana, what about you? What do you have going on? Yeah, so I am on social media at Liana Boris, L-I-A-N-A-B-O-R-A-A-S, which I would also love to co-sign even though I'm not covering it. Big Brother Canada, it is so much fun. I'm really enjoying this season so far. So definitely go back 20 minutes ago and listen to what Taryn said and do all of the things. Um, But in terms of other non-Big Brother stuff, uh, Mike, Brent, and I are breaking down RuPaul's Drag Race Season 11. And although Mike is going to be very busy with his, you know, new gig being the Luzon. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Levu, Lesu. Anyway, one of them. uh, (laughs) News anchor Brent and I will be joined by Rockstar from Big Brother uh, to cover RuPaul's Drag Race Season 11 this episode this week. It's going to be so much fun. I'm really looking forward to it, so definitely check that out. You're having Rockstar on two months before my son's birthday. How dare you? <laughs> Disgusting. I'm, I'm super excited to listen to this. I'm sure Rockstar, considering the episode that just aired as well, I'm sure Rockstar is going to have a bevy of opinions, so I'm super excited to hear uh, what comes out of it. You can always follow me at a Mike Bloom type. I came up with a bunch of random stuff on Parade.com this pla- this past week. I talked with the three Top Chef finalists. The finale just aired a couple nights ago. I talked with uh, Project Runway winner Mondo Guerra about his uh, new Project Runway sideshow called Runway Remix. There's a lot of stuff out there. THR.com slash Star Trek Discovery for all the Star Trek stuff I'm doing as well. Uh, I'll be out on the podcast as well for that this week. So you uh, check out my lovely wife, Angela, talking with Jessica Lee about a really gripping season of Star Trek Discovery so far. Thank you all so, so much for listening. Feel free to, as always, send us any suggestions for games or questions or what have you. Again, Twitter, hashtag RHAPBNB. Email RHAPBNB at gmail.com. Special thanks to our head writer, Paul Oselson, Will from America for our theme song, and Scott St. Pierre for editing all of these shenanigans behind the scenes. Uh, Liana is going to be back next week with the real weird sister to talk through this double episode of Survivor Edge of Extinction. Cannot wait to see where we go from here. Thank you all so much for listening. Taryn and Liana, great work as per usual. And we'll check you out at your next day. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Sounds cool, I can tell you the name.